You've made it to Not Billable, the Law Trades podcast that brings you bite-sized legal and business news updates, full event replays, and conversations with legal pros about what's going on behind the scenes every week. Stop the clock, put the timesheet down, it's time to get started. Hey everybody, I'm Warren Pellet from Law Trades, back with another weekly news update. Joined as always by Matt Margolis. Matt, look good people, how you doing? We're living the dream, man. Every day. Every day, every week. I love it. I love it. So this week, we've got a few interesting stories that we're covering. Uh, we're talking about the, the chat GPT revolution, or is it a revolution? Uh, we'll be taking a look at uh, some interesting billable hours uh, lawsuit that's, that's going on, uh, and the kerfuffle around AI art, and, uh, and who gets to say uh, you know, what is stealing, what is not. Also, some sure. smaller stories. We'll be taking a look at the, uh, the, the family drama that is now kind of evolving out of Sam Bankman-Fried's, uh, you know, all his legal issues and the legal issues surrounding Board Ape and, and what's really been going on with, with NFTs and, and celebrity endorsements. But let's start with ChatGPT. So, so just, cool. it's very, very interesting development mm-hmm. uh, in the tech world. And, and just to kind of very quickly set the stage for, for people who aren't fully immersed in this, a company called OpenAI, which was not only co-founded by Elon Musk, but was uh, invested by uh, Microsoft, I believe, put in a billion dollars uh, into the company, released uh, effectively a, a next-generation AI chatbot, which kind of speaks to you, can, can understand normal language and can speak to you in normal language, right? We'll spit back out uh, a regular sort of dialogue with you. Yeah was released at the end of November and within a few days reached a million users and the internet blew up with people posting what they've been talking to ChatGPT about. They've been writing scripts, they've been writing legal briefs, they've been doing all sorts of very interesting stuff. And now people are wondering, is this gonna come for me at the law firm? Is ChatGPT gonna replace me, gonna replace my associates? Some people are saying, uh, not so fast, not so fast. It's not as uh, brilliant as you think it is, but there are questions, right? Absolutely. Um, it, at, yeah, like in its present state, is it going to replace the job of a lawyer? No. But you're seeing a window into the future. You're seeing what could be. And I think you're starting to already see some of this with like doc generation companies. There are plenty of companies that are coming out that are, uh, that are using AI to create these contracts for you, maybe through prompted questions or, um, there's some some other means like that. So right. you're already seeing in practice, but this is like, oh my gosh, this is really coming for me now. If I was an attorney, yes, I would be a little worried, right? You're like, oh my gosh, like maybe I'm a transactional attorney and I I make my money drafting these agreements, but also I'm I'm negotiating these agreements, right? Right. I, I'm wor- I, I understand the risk tolerances of my client and I know when to give on some things and when not. So there's always a human element when it comes to negotiating some of these agreements, but it's definitely interesting. It's definitely and, and kind of like what you're saying is, uh, you know, you're kind of touching on the creative aspect here, which sure. is I'm not a lawyer, I'm a writer, right? And, and I know that like, yes, there are some things that I write that are very kind of templative, very kind of cut and paste, and, and there are in the legal uh, world as well. Mm-hmm. But like you're saying, in negotiations and more creative thinking yeah. capacities, uh, chatbots are nowhere near, uh, you know, human beings. And, and also, OpenAI openly says this on their website. They, they will say this kind of to your face that the chatbot still makes plenty of mistakes, yeah. still tells you plenty of false information. And if you're a lawyer and you regurgitate that, that's malpractice. Can right? you so, imagine that? Can you imagine if somebody is like, 
I'm just going to rely on, on this. I'm, I'm fine with it. And it creates like, you know, a, a legal brief or a, or a motion of some kind, files with the sure. court. The court's like, what is this? This is not real. But there must be certain things within the legal community that are, again, very just boilerplate that you can just plug and play. And- when you're a litigator and you're doing a motion to compel production of documents, it's a very basic discovery motion. Right. You are most of the time copying and pasting a form, right? right? Or there's always these templates or even certain agreements, right? Like I know in certain spaces, like an asset purchase agreement or a per, you know a purchase and sale agreement, it's very, very, very boilerplate, very similar across the board. Which again, might save you some time, might save your paralegals yeah. some time, et cetera, sure. but it's not replacing, you know, the next generation of, of law school grads, right? No, so, oh, that's, listen, that's a fair point. If you were in law school, rest assured, You've still got at least a couple years. <laughs> You're almost there, but you got a couple You're years. You're almost right. Which, so, you know, when you really kind of like poke under the hood of what ChatGPT is, it's a predictive text. Yes. So it's going through all the data uh, of what's been fed to it and is predicting based on that what's been said before and, and kind of what it believes should be said next. So, like we just been mentioning that's not really creative that's you know kind of applies to plug and play but that's about it exactly exactly right but again it'll be very interesting to see in the future i personally as a litigator would love it right well as a former litigator i'm sorry i would love to use something like this if it can make my life easier with discovery requests or, sure. or you're right template form con- uh, contra- not contracts i'm sorry uh, motions life thousand times a year so i welcome it i embrace it so it'll be interesting to see over the next couple of years what this turns into 100%. 100%. Uh, the technology is moving fast, so it's mm-hmm. it's very interesting. Well, let's switch to an analog story, and this is human beings who haven't been billing enough hours. Uh, kind of a kind of a wild story, kind of a bombshell out of North Dakota of all places. Uh, a firm out there called Larson, Latham and Hoodle. I don't I don't know if I'm Hoodle. I don't know if I'm hey. saying that correctly. Uh, they sent two associates uh, a bill for, for underbilling. So uh, let me back up. There was uh, an employment contract given to the employees uh, a few years ago saying that if you don't bill against some sort of baseline level for mm. us, we will deduct uh, from your salary. These associates signed it and then suddenly they were being deducted or being kind of asked to, to pay back some of their salary for not billing enough hours. They took it to court and uh, the law firm won. So I will say this, this whole scenario disgusts me. I think it's the best way to put it. That's probably the nicest way I can put it. I I have worked in plenty of law firms. I've seen plenty of law firms, like what they expect of their associates. I've talked to friends also that work at various law firms that, you know, that I have no familiarity with. No one. No one that I know, that I've talked to, that I've even closely related to has ever seen anything like this. Traditionally, what is standard is you bill X amount of hours, you, you know, uh, 200 hours a month. That's on maybe on the high end, but that's, that's maybe what someone expects, right? If you don't bill those hours, you're probably going to talk me to, right? Uh, eventually, if you don't bill those hours for a set period of time, you probably don't get a bonus. If it's really low, you know, you may not have a job. I think in this economy, that's obviously much more of a fact than not. Um, but to to well, tell associates, pretty, yeah. That seems pretty done. common, just kind of workload. Like if you're not performing up to task in, in any industry, not just law. Exactly. Of course. 
Now, there's a reason for it. So the reason for it is partners traditionally are the ones that bring the work. If you're an associate, unless it's told to you in the beginning, right? Unless you're said, hey, you need to be a rainmaker. You need to bring in business, right? Unless that's told to an associate, the default is I am working for a partner or a group of partners on whatever they are bringing in. So that's where things get crazy. So if the work isn't there, you don't blame the associate. You blame the partner, and it's my understanding, at least, this is the argument, one of the arguments posed by the attorneys, is that this was in March of 2020, I think, when this all started to come in place, which we all know, listening, was the start of COVID. So if the work isn't there, you don't penalize the attorney. It just is what it is. So it's it's an unbelievable case. It is currently on appeal. Um, and... I don't know who's going to win, but I, I tell you what, if you're an associate, I think, Warren, we just talked about this. If you're an associate, look at your employment agreements. Take a look and see if this provision exists. I would assume not, but you can never be too careful, especially when we now know something like this exists and it's been publicized so you know, heavily and above the law and certain other publications. Was this, uh, do you think, like a test balloon in some sort of way uh, for bigger law firms? Like, hey, what Gosh, if this slip? Can you imagine, like, can you imagine this? Like, you are an associate at XYZ, super big law firm based out of New York. Yeah. You are doing everything you're supposed to do. You are billing your hours. At least you're billing as much hours as you can because the work is a certain kind of practice area and maybe it's drying up. Sure. And you are called and told, not that maybe there's a reduction in salary like we saw in COVID, right? Like, hey, we're going to reduce everyone's salaries. No, no, no. You've already been paid the money. Hey, I you didn't bill enough. I know I didn't give you enough work, but you didn't bill enough. Um, present it, please. I, w- I would like that money back. That term, not billed enough. Did they outline what the baseline was? Did they say I'm sure they did. I I will say that like it, commonplace, like you are told. There are some firms that will say it's almost like um, unlimited PTO. Like oh, you have unlimited PTO, but really there's a number, right? There's a number sure. of people have in their heads. Even if firms that say there's not a billable hour requirement, there is a billable hour requirement maybe 150 hours a month, maybe it's 200 hours a month. And if it's not hourly based, it's um, it's money based. Maybe you have to bill $10,000 a month. I mean, that's probably much more in tune with a partner that's revenue generating. Right. Um, but more often than not, there is a number that is outlined at the, at the right. very onset. So just another uh, another example of, of you really need to read the fine fine print when you're getting hired here and when you're signing things and <laughs> especially now I mean I think most of us especially as an attorney you don't think that exists in there you know what industry yeah. is and then all yeah. of a sudden you see that and you're like that's um that's different that's not that's not what I'm used to so I agree with you 100% Warren again if you're an associate please read your employment agreements make sure that it, if it has this kind of provision. I'm not giving you legal advice. I'm giving you personal advice. I probably would run. I probably would run. <laughs> Good advice. Good advice. Yes, sir. All right. Well, let's actually uh, jump back over to AI uh, for our last story, our last major story here. And that is uh, a lot of people on Instagram and, and other social media platforms you might have seen have started kind of posting these mm-hmm. uh, AI-generated uh, profile pictures of themselves. Yeah. Uh, and it turns out that those uh, AI generation uh, programs were being trained on sure. actual artists' art. Uh, uh, so let's say I'm an artist and I have a certain style and I've been painting for years and been posting my stuff to DeviantArt or, or Etsy or wherever. Uh, you know, uh, 
whomever built this AI software is going to come in, is going to train their AI on my art, and then use it to kind of replicate it uh, with their own models. Now, Oof. people right now are saying, oh, we just trained the AI art on you. We didn't steal anything from you. This is not copyright infringement. Not our problem. Thank you so much for letting us use your, uh, your art. Sure. But the artists are saying, hold on a second. If I was Disney, if I was somebody else, if I was some large company and you were training your AI on my art, you bet you 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 know you bet your ass that I'm going to come for you and say this is copyright infringement. So you know it it, it is a fascinating argument. I did not know yeah. that. So uh huh, I can't speak one way or another. That is fascinating because technically speaking, right? They're not using the art. Right? Like it's not like I'm 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 taking that art and saying it's my own artwork and putting it out there. But they are using it yeah. to create derivative. Uh, for profit, right? Derivative uh, versions, right. utilizing somebody else's face. That is a fascinating scenario. It's once again, new technology creates blurry new questions in copyright law or, or any I, other I, law. Right? I'm, gonna, I'm gonna say this, Warren. If you're listening and you're an IP attorney, um, can you weigh in on this? Shoot us an email, write us on social media. We would love an analysis and at least a thought as it relates to this because personally, I'm not an intellectual property attorney. Or is not an attorney generally, even though sometimes you play one on TV. And um, we would love to hear it. So that's sorry to, to cut in there. Or no, I'd love, no, to, I'd love I, the answer to that question. And I would actually ask uh, an additional question, which is, you know, let's say Nike uh, releases some shoe. Sure. Uh, and I'm some smaller company and I take the design of that shoe and I kind of, you know, tweak it a little bit or, or kind of make some additions to it. Is that the same sort of issue as what's, you know, what the AI is like the AI is being trained on your art. Is that the same sort of issue? That's a good question. So that's another question to ask. Like, is this akin to to that kind of scenario where you're taking a, a product and you're altering it, changing it, um, and 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 creating and selling it, it for yourself? Fair enough. So I'd love to hear that. If you're an IP attorney, please feel free to give us a ring, shoot us a, an email or drop a, you know, drop a comment on social media. We'd love to hear that, but it is fascinating. There's the other aspect of this story as well. And it's, it's kind of the privacy concerns of it. The privacy and also the ownership of your own face. I mean, people are submitting, I'll, I'll be straight up with everyone listening. I did it too. Um, and submit pictures of your face. And it's my understanding that probably in the, in the terms of service, um, that they get this license to utilize your face. You're giving them the license, which they're probably doing the same thing. They're taking your face and they're training their AI on all these different faces that are put in, put in there. I think it revokes, I think it terminates, or never revokes, it terminates when you delete the app or you delete your account. That I'd have to look back at the terms of service, but that all being said, interesting questions. What did we agree to? What did, wh where is it going? And, and what rights remain after, um, after everything is terminated, after the, the app is deleted and the data is? Just to tie it back to to what we were talking about a minute ago with the uh, with the billable hours, uh, it always pays to read the fine print and and you know what are you getting as a trade off here, right? Sure. You're getting a few AI generated profile pictures, which they're is very cool for a few minutes. Very uh, cool. Hold on, they're very they're very cool. Even if they're very cool, they're very uh, cool. <laughs> if you're listening to this and you work there, they are very cool. One of these companies. <laughs> but so cool that it's worth to, to, to trade off, you know, some privacy matters. So, so, you know, what, what are we trading off here? Always I think that's fair. I think that's entirely fair and very cool. Anyways, <laughs> moving on to the next story. <laughs> uh, yeah, so let's, yeah, let's take a look at some of the smaller stories here. 
so, you know, Sam Bankman Freed, clearly still in the news, but uh, a little bit less so are his parents, who are Joseph Bankman and Barbara Freed, who are, or formerly were, uh, active professors at the Stanford Law School. Turns out that both of them have uh, kind of disappeared from the next term, the next, uh, you know, mm. from teaching any classes at the next term at Stanford Law. Uh, I know that Joseph Bankman had a, uh, a tax course that he was going to be teaching for the winter session. <laughs> tax That's course. That's not there anymore. Yeah. Barbara I'm sure. <laughs> is nowhere to be found on the roster. Uh, and moreover, it appears that uh, there's reports that both will be kind of financially wiped out because they will be paying for uh, their son's legal while, legal fees as well. While he was, re- I mean, I don't know if you saw the news today. I mean, like, while this is all going on, while he was requested to speak in front of, I think, a congressional committee, I think he said he was like, hey, I'm overbooked. <laughs> I'm overbooked. Hey, I'm sorry. I just, I, I don't, I don't have the time to speak on the, the allegations against me of fraud and what, you know, and all of this, um, you know, uh, mis, misuse of funds. So it, what a situation to be in. Imagine that. Insane. Uh, insane. Absolutely insane. So I, we're going to be following this folks. If you're listening here, you'll be following these stories probably for some bit. It's going to be our new Elon Musk bell. So <laughs> um, stay tuned. And, you can send this in anonymously, but if you're listening and you went to Stanford Law and you had either professor uh, yourself, any stories you want to share, please. You can do so anonymously or, or what have you, but we'd love to hear them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Let's, let's close out with our last story uh, of the week of this, uh, of this newsletter, and that is, I don't know how many of you remember Bored Ape. Bored Ape was some the NFT, NFTs. Yeah, NFTs that's a it. year ago. They blew up. I remember Justin Bieber was a big part of it. Each one was, you know, some some cartoon image sure. of an ape that sold for well over a million dollars. It, it was an NFT at the, the height of the NFT craze last year. Gosh. Well, now the investors in uh, Board Ape's parent company, which is, I, I believe, Board Ape Yacht Club or something like that, the investors are suing a whole raft of celebrities and, and pun very much intended. Uh, that includes mm-hmm. Paris Hilton, Madonna, Justin Bieber, uh, Bieber etc. They're suing them for not disclosing that they yeah. were being paid. <laughs> that they were being Perfect. paid by the parent company for pumping up the value of these. Entities. The influencer crime. It is. We've talked about this in the past. I think with Kim Kardashian, if you recall, mm-hmm. and uh, it. <laughs> it's so funny. It, you have to disclose if you're getting paid for things. You have to disclose, like if it's a sponsor con, like even, like, even simply put. I am being paid for this, hashtag ad, whatever it is. I know the FTC, I believe, has a number of uh, rules and criteria in place for this. Like, come on. <laughs> Don't you have lawyers? <laughs> Aren't they telling you what to do? Uh, again, these are allegations. Maybe they did disclose it, but based facially on what is being alleged, like you would have to say, like, at that level, when you're constantly doing endorsements of things, you know, at, at that level of celebrity, you have to you have to follow these rules and regulations. You have to do it. Unbelievable. And I'm sure the argument is just like with with crypto that this was a very lightly, if at all, regulated space, and maybe we didn't know what the regulations sure. were. Maybe there wasn't any uh, you know law saying we have to disclose such things. Could be. Uh, maybe. I think we will. Yeah. I love the argument. The only reason I, I say that is. You know, it's it's a company, right? It's a company has a product of some kind. Sure. Yeah, but sure. I agree with you. We don't know, and that's probably a decent. You know, it's an argument being posed, right? We this right. is a you're right. Crypto is so unregulated. How would we know? And I'm sure we will look back in ten years on you know the bubble that was crypto and NFTs and say, wow, it was so unregulated. What a wild west that was. Can't wait. Um, 
But we are now entering the phase of both crypto and NFTs where consequences are coming to the fore and regulations mm -hmm. will start to be handed down and uh, the space will be tightened. Oh, yeah. Listen, uh, it, it needs to happen. It needs to happen. It needs to be regulation after geez, these news story after news story after news story after news story. Right. Uh, at least it keeps the podcast going. which is, <laughs> And we thank yeah. them for that. So thank you so much. <laughs> Jokes aside, jokes aside. Uh, thank you everyone for listening. If you really enjoyed this podcast, I ask that you leave a comment or a review or whatever on whatever medium you're watching this on. Thanks again for being a listener. Orn and I appreciate it and have Very a great so. rest of your week. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out also on LinkedIn and Twitter to keep up to speed with what we're doing. Catch you on the next one.